and on Easter, and then only, you know, honoring women on Mother's Day, and then only honoring... You know what? We ought to honor these things every day of our life. Amen? And so, you know, I've always endeavored just to be led by the Spirit when it comes to ministering the Word, so I won't do a Mother's Day message. You know, we're going to just keep driving on what God has for us to do. But with that being said, man, we honor women. We thank God for the roles that mom have. I called my mom en route from St. Augustine today, spent some time talking to her, told her I'm sorry that I couldn't come over and see her today uh, because obviously I had to be here with you. Amen. And you know what? That doesn't bother my mom. You know why? Because she wants me to be about my father's business. Amen. When it's all said and done, she wants me to be obeying and following God. It brings her great joy to her life. She raised me to follow God, and I'm doing that. Amen? And, but we appreciate moms. There's an anointing on moms to raise their children, to be faithful, uh, uh, and, and to be a great support to their husbands. But you understand, there's an anointing that women also have that a lot of husbands don't. Because the Bible says that he'll be the father to the fatherless. And in our society, there's a generation of women who have children without dads. And there's an anointing on them, and when they're having to raise their children, uh, they just need to be able to get to where say, your daddy said you can't do this. Now, that's not a natural dad, but they have the word of the king. They have a father that they can point to and say, now listen, mom's not telling you this. Daddy said this. Hallelujah. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Praise the Lord. So we appreciate moms and what God's doing. And again, happy Mother's Day. I hope you've had a good one. I appreciate you not taking all day off. But you came to church, amen? You came around other believers, amen, where we can be encouraged in the Word and grow in the things of God, amen. Well, it's good to be back. I wasn't here last Sunday. I was in Puerto Rico. Uh, Anchor Faith Church is influencing the world. And so last week, we took a team down to uh, do a remodel on the pastor's home. Uh, Vanessa and Arnell, who are in our church down in St. Augustine, they've been with us for seven years. We are planning them in Umacao, Puerto Rico, and they are starting an Anchor Faith Church in Umacao, Iglesia Enclave. And so we're excited about the expansion of the vision to be in that nation, and so we took some time to remodel their, their home. And so next week I'll have a video to show you exactly what we did, so you don't want to miss that. Why? Because God gave us this vision to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. Amen? And we're one church in two locations. Hallelujah. And so the same passion we have there, we bring here. And we bring a team, Pastor Marcus, he's, um, I'm giving him a night off because of his voice. We did our seven-year celebration, and he spoke more than anybody because he sang every night. And we both were battling a little bit with our voice. Mine's totally back. Hallelujah. And uh, his, is, his is, is just about there. So I said, why don't you take the night off? We have you know, people who can come up and continue to continue with praise and worship, and we did that. So thank you, Joshua, for doing so. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. You excited? Is God good? He's good. And I'm excited about what God's doing in my life. I know you're excited about what God's doing in your life. And we want to keep pressing on with the Word of God. Do you know right now there are people all over the nation, all over the world for that matter, that, live, that go to churches but live deceived lives? In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly in James, to be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you'll live deceived. But we must be a doer of that Word and not just a hearer only. Amen? And so it's important for us when we hear the Word of God that we act on it because it's the acting on that produces the fruit. And a lot of times people are discrediting God or saying, well, I don't understand why God's not doing what He's doing. And it's simply put, they're just not applying what God said. You know, especially, you know, with it being Mother's Day, I'm sure a lot of moms can testify. They told their kids some things not to do. Their kids did it anyway, got hurt. And if your child were to turn around and say, Mom, you, well, you're trying to teach me something, Right? You know, don't touch the stove because it's hot, right? And then he touched and got burned. 
Your child didn't come and say, you burned me, you're trying to teach me something. No, you'll say, no, I told you not to touch it. If you just would have obeyed what I said, then you wouldn't have got hurt. Amen? This is the same thing with the Word of God. Simply put, if we'll just do what God says, if we will obey Him at His Word, His Word is a hedge of protection around us and is to our benefit. It's to bring greatness in our life. Amen? Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to be successful outside of Him because all true success comes with Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the viewpoint. We've got to become kingdom conscious, okay? And, and this is important because when we're reading the Bible, when we're viewing the Word of God and the world we're in, we've got to see it through the right lens. Hallelujah. I only got two people with glasses. Can I borrow yours? Amen. Hallelujah. Is it going to be bad? Yeah, the bottom ones are really tough. Amen. See, this is... This is what we have to deal with. This is, and I'm glad you have bifocals because some people have a certain level of truth that they can see, but then there's another layer. Amen. And here, you know, it depends on where we're looking. Wow. It depends on where we're looking determines what kind of view we need to have, right? So obviously we can look this way straight ahead and things are clear, but when we get a little closer, we need another lens. Amen. Which means out of the same pair of glasses, I've got two viewpoints to bring clarity. Well, here's the problem. In, in the church or in the world in general, a lot of times we are using viewpoints based upon things around us that really are making things unclear to us. And we've got to get some clarity. We need to get the right lens on so that we can interpret the word right and then apply that word so it works in our life. Amen? You see what I'm talking about? And tonight we want to talk about this because people are more conscientious of what's going on in the world than what's going on in the kingdom. More people are conscientious of the seen realm and not the unseen realm. I mean, they can see the world fine. They can feel it. They can touch it. They experience it. I mean, you sit around, you'll talk to people and they go, Oh, honey, I heard just like you. Oh, yeah, baby, I know what you're talking about. You know, that people get up. Have you seen them? They'll get at work, man, and they'll start complaining about the boss. Well, I tell you right now, I just don't like the way he, he treats me. Oh, you too, honey. I'm telling you, I'm just like it. I know how. Or, you know, about relationships. You know, that guy, he left me. Oh, yeah, girl, I know what you're talking about. You need to just leave that guy. Because the last one I had, and they identify and they sympathize. What? They view things together. You see what I'm saying? People who have diabetes, you know, or different types of diseases that they may have had. They can identify with other people who's had these types of problems. Oh, yeah, when I went through that treatment, it was like this, and you can expect that. And I'm telling you, it's going to be like... And I mean, and they'll just have a whole conversation about this experience because they're so used to the seen realm. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, While we look not, say not, not at the things which are seen. That's a very profound statement Paul's saying. He's saying, you've got to get your focus somewhere else. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So in essence, he's saying, you have the, the, the ability to see the invisible. God is telling us we have the ability to see the invisible and actually wants us to focus there. Hallelujah. Hey, Amen. when I was growing up, I had imaginary friends. I sure did. Had four of them, actually. The weirdest names, I don't know why they were, but I remember them. Hanka, Jonka, Lipstick, and Cooler. I do not know why. I don't know where they came from. They were my imaginary friends. I'm a creative person, apparently. 
You know, and it wasn't like I was some, you know, kid that wasn't popular. So I was, I mean, in high school and all those things. I mean, I wasn't picked on. I wasn't one of these kids. I had a mom and dad. They both loved me. You know, it wasn't some weird deal. I just playful. I guess my sister, older sister at the time, she wasn't good enough. And so I had to get me my own friends. And I remember one time, I don't remember, but my mom tells me this. So you understand it's based upon my mom's work because I actually can't remember too young. But she said that, you know, she'd come to sit down on the couch. And I go, Mom, don't sit there. Hank is sitting there. Now, obviously, probably Sesame Street helped create this thought process with me because Mr. Snuffleupagus was the imaginary friend of Big Bird. Now, we actually saw him, but he was supposed to be an imaginary friend. Maybe that's where I got Don't know. My point is, is that I was seeing something that didn't exist. But you understand, in our society, we do this right now? Come on now. Every thought you have is a thought of the unseen. Every idea is something not visible. Come on now. I mean, I can look at this place and see it full. I can do this because I've done it in St. Augustine. I've been in a place smaller than this. You know, I've been in a place where actually we were in a, a, a larger space initially when we went to Gamble Rogers. It had a 300-seat auditorium. And we're starting a church, 17 people in 300 seats. That's pretty dwarfing. So we said, let's don't go to the auditorium. Let's go to the multipurpose room and put out some chairs because it looks sad. I mean, when you're starting a church, people coming in and they see just a handful of people, they'll just... Why? Because people don't want to wait on progression. People don't want to sow into things. They just want it to be done. Oh, but man, when you get hooked up with a vision and stay with it, then you drive on and it will grow and it will prosper and it will do what God said it to do. Hallelujah. Amen. But every thought, I mean, Thomas Edison, his things that we use today, these light bulbs, which his is still running today. How come we don't make them that way anymore? Because they won't make no money. That's why they've got to go out. Okay, but Thomas Edison, he made that light bulb that's still working today. It's something that was created in an unseen realm in his mind, and he brought it to the scene. So Paul's saying, listen, you need to not quit. You need to quit looking at things that you see. Let's get proficient at seeing the unseen. He goes on and says this, for the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. They're temporary. Your kids right now, they're temporary. The size they are are temporary. Guess what? They're going to grow up. My youngest is 17. My oldest is 24. Wow! I mean, my youngest daughter is 17 years old. My middle son is 18, fixing to get married in September. My oldest is married. i got two grandkids. I'm big poppy. That's changed. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I remember Brianna's just little. I mean, you remember, Jimmy, my kids when they were just little people. Little bitty things. Now they all grow. Why? It's temporary. They're changing. They're growing up. Amen. We can't stop it as much as we want. You can't stop them from changing and growing. Well, he's saying, listen, all this stuff in the scene is temporary. And we know it's very temporary because the Bible tells us the end. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Everything that we see in existence today is going to be totally changed. Well, you understand things change all the time, even in our bodies. We, you know, you can get symptoms of sickness. You may take on a cold or a flu. Well, the day before, you might have been well. But then all of a sudden, you got sick. Well, then it passes, usually passes by, and now you're whole again, which means that situation changed. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's saying, listen, the things of this world, the seen realm, it's temporary, but the things which are not seen, see, now that's eternal. That's where we've got to start viewing things from. 
that realm because that realm has spiritual and everlasting significance. What we do from that realm will stay forever and will be around forever. And that's our viewpoint. Amen? So we want to focus on that. With that being said, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Because we need to become conscientious of another realm. The world we live in today is not the way God created it. I mean, it's very clear in Genesis that God created on the first day all the way through the fifth day into the sixth day, and He said it was good. And He created a world that was without fault. There was no problem. In fact, there's no evil in God. He didn't create anything evil or bad. It was all good. And He says this, and then He rested on the seventh day. On the sixth day, He created His greatest creation, which was man. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Right? And let him have what? Dominion. Dominion over what? All that he had created. Well, what did he create? The earth. He said, having dominion over the fish, over the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In essence, he said, man, I want you to rule this seen realm that I have made. And Adam would have stayed in that perpetual state of rulership if he had only obeyed the word of the king. For the word says, listen, until, he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat it, you'll surely, if he never ate the fruit, where would he be living today? Now, that's a powerful statement. Because in most churches, all we want to do is go to heaven. Now, if you die, you're going to go. Okay? And there's going to be a rapture to church. That's going to take place. I understand that. But you understand, Adam in God's original creation was not trying to get to heaven. He was, uh, he was to operate in the dominion and rulership God gave him on the planet. If he doesn't eat the fruit, he's still living here. Because God created the earth for man to rule where heaven's culture would be in the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, what happened on that day? What happened back in Genesis chapter 3? Eve's deceived by the serpent. She tells her husband to eat the fruit God forbids, and he does it. And in essence, disobeys God, and now he's separated from God's realm. So then, dominion's given to Satan... 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God of this world. And now the world's in a mess. It's in a mess. I mean, there's terrorism, there's crime, there's all kind of stuff going on, broken marriages. I mean, all kind of stuff is running. And you know that's not God. God isn't doing all that stuff. God doesn't want our lives to be in shambles. God doesn't want us to be walking around aimless. God doesn't want us to be groping around. God wants to take care of us. God had a plan and purpose for us. But because there is a sin nature in the earth and because people do fall into or are operating in disobedience to God, we see this all the time. And if we focus too much on what we see, then guess what? We're going to get what we see. Job himself had this problem. Though he was a righteous man, he makes this statement. He says, the thing that I greatly fear has come upon me. He was so focused that his kids may be doing something that he shouldn't be doing, that he was always trying to make sacrifices to make sure they stayed right. And it opened the door for the enemy, because if you read Job, it wasn't God that did that. It says that Satan asked permission. And the reason he asked is he's just trying to find out what dominion he actually has over man that he got from Adam. That's all. We'll teach on that later. Because there's a lot of misinterpretation of Job. So here, the world's in a different place. And so we know this, that what we see isn't how God operates. So we have to then look at the way God is through His Word, because He'll reveal Himself. And what's eternal? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my 
Word will never pass away. Which means His Word is what eternal. His Word is what we are to focus on. His Word is what we're supposed to believe in and act on. And when we do this, it will come to pass all the time. Period. Amen. That's why when I say the Lord said we'll ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world, we can believe this and we can act on it and do it because God's Word says it. He says He desires that none would perish but that all would come to repentance, which means He wants us in this community. He wants us to preach the Word. He wants us to communicate the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? And by doing so and being obedient, guess what? It, people will be added to the church. Hallelujah. And from there we can go out to our own nation and from there we can start to touch the world. Hallelujah. Why? Because we have an assignment to mankind. Amen. And we serve a king. Well, here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, uh, New Living Translation says this. It says, The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Never free from this conflict. Now, what, that, what it's saying is, is that, listen, when you get born again, when you receive Christ as Lord and your spirit man changes, your mindset is still subject to the things you see. And that nature of the world will try to dominate your thinking. That's why Jesus, when he came preaching in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent is not a religious word. It means to change your thinking. In essence, it means this, side with my party. Because we've learned this concerning uh, learning about the kingdom, is that this Bible is not a religious book at all. This is about a king, his kingdom, and his offspring. Jesus is the king of... Well, who are the kings? We are. We're children of God. We are called... Paul said, your citizenship is in heaven. He says, you are to be an ambassador. That's a government position. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it said, a son will be given to us, a child will be born to us, and the government shall rest on his shoulder. Jesus did not come to bring a religion. And Adam didn't lose one. Adam didn't lose Christianity. Adam lost his access to God's kingdom. All Jesus preached about was the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like this. Why? Because, listen, I'm going to bring the kingdom influence to this world again. It was lost through Adam, but I'm going to restore it to you. You'll have the nature that Adam had, and the Spirit of God is now will live in you and bear witness with your spirit. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. Listen, when we get born again, we become a new species of being, and we become born into another nation. I am an American. Why? Because I was born here. I didn't immigrate here, and I didn't have to buy my immigration so that I could become a citizen. I didn't buy that. I am by legal birth. And the only way you get into the kingdom is if you're born again. That's when Nicodemus, who was a religious man, came to Jesus about 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning and said, Man, we know, teacher, that you're from the Father. He said, Unless you're born again, you'll not enter the kingdom. Why? Because you must be born of that nation. And it's always been about nations. It's always been about God ruling the nation of people. Always. Abraham, in, in Genesis chapter 12, when he talked to Abram, he said, I'll make you a holy, I'll make you a great nation. Not a religion. Religion has confused us. Religion is trying to get us to heaven when the kingdom says, stay on the earth, fulfill your purpose first. Do your assignment. Jesus never left the planet till he's finished. He didn't leave. Until his purpose was done. And no matter how much they tried to kill him, they couldn't. 
Paul himself didn't leave the planet till his, his assignment was done. Paul didn't, Peter didn't leave, his assi- leave the earth till his assignment was done. Why? Because we have an influence here. We are working for the government. Hallelujah. We all government employees. What's the world looking for today? They're looking for new and better government. I mean, why are we rejoicing that Osama bin Laden's dead? Because he represents a, uh, a group of people on the earth, amen, that they want to take over and have a set of ideals. Well, ultimately, God's going to show up on the planet. And there's a new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven. Ma, ma, ma. Jesus said in John chapter 18 to Pilate, he says, he asked him, he says, are you a king? He said, did someone tell you about me? Or, or did you uh, learn this on your own? And Pilate said, man, listen, I'm not a Jew. Your own people handed you over me. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, my kingdom's not of this realm. If it were, my servants would not let me be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this world. He says, so you are a king. And he says, you say correctly, I am a king. For this reason I was born. For this reason I came into you. What did a wise man come seeking? Not a new religion on the planet. They came looking for a king. They came looking for this person who had the final say. And if we would submit to him, there's life. Hallelujah. So we got to understand this, that we were living a life separated from God where we did a certain thing, and when we get born again, that we got a whole new way of thinking. There's a whole new way we are to perceive things. There's a whole new way we're supposed to live life. Why? Because we're now born again, born of God. My God controls me. Now, when I say that, it's because I'm willfully submitted to His Lordship. And he tells us here in Ephesians 5, 17, that our spirit and our flesh, that means the things of this world, are always in opposition to the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because the things of the world is not how God intended it. But the Spirit of God hears the voice of God and will instruct us because as children of God, we are to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. So when I make decisions, when I go through life in in anything, I'm praying, seeking the Lord, what do I do and how do I do it? Because if I get it from God, it's going to work every time. Doesn't mean it won't have opposition. Don't mean things won't try to come against it. But when it's all said and done, I win. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Amen. Ecclesiastes 8.4 tells us this, where the word of the king is, there is, there's power. Amen. Okay, let me read this out of the Message Bible. The Message Bible says this, For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incomparable or incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are against each other. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. That's powerful. Amen. That means we have to start viewing things. We've got to become more conscious of an unseen realm than the seen realm. Because if we're more conscious of that, then that realm will manifest itself. What did Jesus say to pray? He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art, that's where He lives, in heaven. Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom. Where's the kingdom supposed to manifest? It's supposed to come. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Not it could. No, it be done. On where? Where? Right here. On this planet. When on this planet? Right now on this planet. Amen. Did God's will be done in Jesus' life? 
did Jesus accomplish the will of the Father? He said, I don't do anything on my own initiative, but only what the Father tells me to do. Hallelujah. Which means that He accomplished God's will on the earth. His same will that's in heaven. Amen. Can we do this? Sure we can, because He told us to pray this way. Amen. So we are to seek an unseen realm. We are to seek what God says about it, not what the world's saying about it. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you look at statistics, some of y'all, y'all can't stay married. I mean, that's even Christians. You understand the divorce rate in Christians is the same as the world's. That's terrible. Because the love of God's been shed abroad in their heart. They have the capacity to love like God loves. And we're not talking touchy-feely love. Do you understand? And I don't have time to teach on this. Uh, I did bring some CD series from St. Augustine, and one of them there called The Doormat. It's talking about love. But we, we did a study on, the, on love itself, and God never wanted us to have phileo or eros type of love. There's two Greek words with love. He never wanted us to have a friendship love or a passionate feeling. That wasn't God's intent for us to have those. That's what love was reduced to when man fell and God himself couldn't be in man. But Jesus brought a different kind of love called agape love. That's the God kind of love. And that love's in us now. And the only reason why that love's not operating is if we don't yield to it. And why wouldn't we? I mean, I don't know, Van, how long you and your wife have been married? 34 years. I'm sure y'all never had any disagreements. I'm sure it was just awesome all the time. Y'all never heard your mom and dad argue ever, did you? I mean, it's like perfect. Right? Well, what do you do in these times? I mean, I guarantee you there's times that thoughts came. I don't love you no more. I'm done with you. I mean, forget about it. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm out of here. Right? You see what I'm saying? I'm talking. I mean, it's, I, I read your mail. I guess I... <laughs> you see what? I mean, this happens in marriages. Why? Because the devil don't want the marriage covenant that God institute to last. He wants to destroy it. Because he only comes for what purpose? Kill, steal, and destroy. And you know, you'll get around people. Man, I'll tell you right now, if that day done that to me, I'd be gone. Get, you get that kind of advice. Well, are you supposed to follow that advice? Look, I'm telling you right now, my first wife, I left her. And my second one, I mean, she's way better. I'm telling you right now, just get rid of her and go ahead. You'll find you somebody else that's better. I mean, this is advice that goes out. And the scene around people do this all the time. And it seems like it's working. But what does God say? God says, love her. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know what that tells us? When you were in a position, Christ loved the church. Before we were in a position to love him, he loved us first. Which means husbands don't have to wait for a response. Husbands don't have to say, you don't show me no love. You don't tell me. You know what? I'm not going to give you nothing until you show me. No, no. Jesus didn't die for us when we were saying, Jesus, please die for us. We need a Savior. We weren't doing that. It says, while we were sinners, man, we didn't want nothing to do with God. We were rejecting Him. We were running. No one goes after Him. No, not one. And Jesus said, man, they can all reject me. Don't even care for me. But I'm still going to die for them. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. And so we have something in the Word that I can say, you know what? I don't feel like I love my wife. In fact, man, I wish she'd hit the road right now. That's the way I feel about you. But I'm not moved by the way I feel. I'm moved by the Word. I don't focus on how I'm feeling right now in the scene. I'm going to focus on what God says, and I'm going to yield to that. And that all of a sudden, that fruit starts producing. Oh, and is there fruits by the Spirit? Come on now. In Galatians, same chapter, verse 5, we get on to verse 22 if we wanted to read it. It said, and the fruits of the Spirit are love. That's first one. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Love cover multitude of sins. 
Amen. So we want to operate this way, which tells us this. We need to be more conscientious of that realm than the one we live in. What is consciousness? Consciousness means this, the state of being conscious, aware of one's own feelings, what is happening around one. It also means this, the totality of one's thoughts, feelings, and impressions, the conscious mind. You understand, in our world, we see a lot of stuff. I mean, listen, our stock markets are responsive to what they see. We go into Libya, there's war. Man, my gosh, oil prices. We go into here, oh my. I mean, it's, it's, it's done by emotions. I mean, it's an emotional mess. I mean, it's all fearful. All the oil prices are driven by fear. If we feel in peace, then we let them go. But if we feel threatened, then it changes. I mean, Josh was just telling me when uh, Osama bin Laden died, uh, uh, silver dropped $12 an ounce. Why is that? Well, all of a sudden, some things changed. People felt a little more peace in the world because someone's not here anymore. Well, man, don't be deceived because the enemy's still out about. He's there looking to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going to find somebody else to raise up. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? But I'm not motivated by that because the Bible tells us that I didn't have the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. And if God be for me, then who can be against me? This is how we live. So we've got to be focused on that. We've got to be more conscientious that he's real and his realm is more truth. In fact, out of his realm, this realm even exists. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, think about Jesus, man. Here he's, he's been praying. He's got to go get the boys that are on the boat, and he just walks out on the water. I mean, is he not conscious of the fact that people sink? Why is he not conscious? He's more conscious of his dominion over the earth. He's more conscientious. Notice, if you go back and read the Gospels, everything God dealt with, everything Jesus spoke to, has an attachment to the earth. He spoke to winds and waves. He cursed the fig tree. He multiplied bread and fish. It all goes back to Genesis 126. Because the first Adam lost the dominion, but the last Adam, come on now, the last Adam operated in this dominion. When he healed people, why could he heal people? What is your skin made out of? What happens to us when our spirit leaves and we're dead? Your body's doing what? It's turning back to dust. It's earth soup. That's why he can touch the earth. He has dominion over symptoms and sickness in your body. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's good news. So Jesus was more conscientious of his dad and his word more than he was the surrounding. And Peter had glimpses of this. Because that same night when Jesus is strolling across the water, Peter's in the boat and they're like, oh, here's the ghost. Ah! They got a little scared. He said, no, 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 it's just me. And Peter said, Jesus, and he knows he can't do nothing without a word. He said, command me to come out. And what did Jesus say? Come on. So he steps out on the water. Now he defies all science. Period. And he's walking on the water. He's conscientious that the king has spoken and his word does not fail. But then what happened? This verse took place. The scene started coming around. The winds and the waves. And he got focused on, oh my gosh, if that wave hits me, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to drown. I'm going to sink. Why? Because he started pulling up his sailor mentality because peter was a fisherman he'd been out on the boat before he's been in storms before 
Remember, he went down to Jesus one time and said, Jesus, man, aren't you concerned we're going to die? Right? Remember that? He said, aren't you concerned we're going to die? You need to come up. And Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves and said, man, you have little what? Faith. What was he saying? I already told you guys, let's go to the other side. My word alone gets us there regardless of what you eat. And you could have said something to this storm. But they didn't. What did they see? We're going to die. We've never been in a storm like this. We ain't going to make it out of this. All of their natural skill as sailors and fishermen, I'm talking professional fishermen, felt like I can't be saved. And we need Jesus. Well, here's Peter now walking to get on water. And all of a sudden he starts looking at the seen realm. Got focused on this and what took place? He started sinking. He wasn't sinking before. Why did it change? It's because he took his focus, his consciousness, his thoughts, his feelings, his mindset off of the Word of God and onto his surroundings. We've got to become more conscientious of what this thing says more than our surroundings around us. Because if we'll do that, it'll change our lives. So what is in this world? What is it that attacks us? What is this thing that comes against us? Well, Romans 6.23, we know this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, the world's in a state of sin. It's death. I mean, we see death and destruction all the time. Turn on Fox News. Turn on CNN. Turn on Headline News. I mean, you see it. It's everywhere. I mean, everybody's falling apart. Everything's going wrong. I mean, that is the consciousness of the world. I mean, even if anything's good's happening, we don't hardly see it. Nobody's up there testifying. In fact, if it's good, they're not even promoting it as news. I mean, if you go do the percentage on it, it's 99% bad, and then every once in a while, a little glimmer of hope. Somewhere. That's it. Why? Because we're in a consciousness of death and destruction. Bad, doom, gloom. What's that old hee-haw song? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Come on. I mean, is that not a true statement? Huh? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I have no luck at all. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's people's mindsets. I mean, like, like Jimmy was telling me the other day when the little power plant at, at, a, at the lumber yard um, went down, they were coming in, we're going to get laid off. Uh, we're going to get Aren't you worried? And Jimmy's like, no, I'm not worried about it. God's got me. His consciousness was, I have a king who will provide for me, and if something happens and I'm not here, he's going to have another place for me. When everybody else is worried, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to take care of this? How am I going to do that? Said, I'm not worried about that. He had to apply that because all the surroundings would say, you ain't going to be able to take care of your kids. I mean, you ain't going to bring no, no paycheck to the house. All that stuff's talking. Yet, But our king in Matthew chapter 6 tells us, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Take no thought saying. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that everybody else is running after will be added. Added to you. We just went on Puerto Rico, and, and, and Vanessa had the little food budget. $1,000 for six, 18 people to eat. $1,000 for the week. Okay, I'm taking care of that. God, that's a lot of food, man. So I said, well, let's do this. Just spend this amount first. Well, now, Pastor Earl, this is how I do when I usually go down there. You know, I'm, I'm planning for the whole... Because she's a planner, man. She's a huge planner, okay? I said, I understand that. I recognize that you want to get enough hamburger meat for all your little meals. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to just get for the first couple of days. Then when we get in country, we need to determine how people are really going to eat. Because, you know, when you're out there working 12, 13 hours a day in the sun trying to remodel a house, you understand? I mean, people's appetites change, and I don't know what the portions are. I realize you've got something in your mind, but we need to see what... We never spend another dime on food. Why? 
because things were added to us. People started coming and bringing us food. I mean, we there was relatives around. They just started bringing food. And I told them, in fact, one of them called and said, you want to bring something? They said, no, don't worry about it. I said, don't ever tell them not to bring it. I said, that's being added to us. I came home with new pairs of jeans and shirts. I'm talking designer stuff. I'm serious. I mean, I got some Volcom jeans. Y'all know what Volcom is? It's a surfing line. I mean, I mean, teenagers, they pay some big bucks for these Volcom jeans. They're $60 for a pair. And it was added to me. It was somebody's son that wasn't wearing them anymore. And, buddy, I could put them on. Hallelujah. That was added to me. That was 60 bucks saved to me. Why? Because I'm just seeking the kingdom. I didn't go concerned about things. I went to do an assignment, and food got to me, water got to me, and clothes got to me. In fact, I was giving clothes away to so much clothes. Now, you think that may be insignificant, but it's not. I'm more focused on this, that realm of God than I am about this realm. We've got to be this. And the wages of sin is death. We see death so much, but we've got to keep our focus. Now, John 10.10 10 tells us this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundant. Ever heard people say this? Well, if anything bad happens, it's going to happen to me. If anybody's going to get laid off, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to lose their house, it's going to be me. Why? Their consciousness is on, if it's going to happen, then it's me. Well, you know, I never get breaks like that. But you understand, if you'll get your consciousness on God, you can say, you know, life always comes to me. God always works it out for me. Why? Because God causes all things to work together for the good for those who... Now, it ain't for anybody. It's for those who love Him and for those who are called according to His purpose. Woo! Glory to God. That's my consciousness. I'm telling you, I've been... We've had issues and struggles and different thought processes that take place. But you understand, we just walked in the, in the things of God. There was a time when we were down in um, St. Augustine, and the Lord spoke to me. We were in Gamble Rogers paying $2,000 a month in rent. Okay? And the Lord said, it's time to move. Well, glory to God. All right, it's time to move. So, and I'm young. Man, I don't know everything there is to know about stuff. I'm learning. Well, I, uh, the Lord, we went to a place, and the Lord said, this is the place for you. I said, okay. Now, what he did tell me is that I could actually negotiate a price. I didn't know that. I didn't really realize that was part. I mean, because I've just been a renter, and when it's rent, I usually paid the rent. Well, I did, took that same mentality into the commercial side, and it was $10,000. I went from $2,000 a month to $10,000. That's more than that because now I'm paying a water bill, and I'm paying an electric bill, and I'm paying all the toilet paper bills. Okay, the school did all the other stuff. Well, we got in, and you understand, you've got to have growth because, you know, your $2,000 budget is not a $10,000. Well, it's really more than that $13,000 budget. Well, there was, and then the minute we got in there, man, the member of the service before, it was that Wednesday night, I, I said, and it was by the Spirit of God, I, I began to speak a word of knowledge, or really a word of wisdom. I said, we're going to have challenges. There are going to be things come against us. But the Spirit of God says, we'll overcome. The very next day, the county came and said, y'all can't even be here. And it was on. It was on at that point. I mean, here we are doing all this remodel, pushing for this brand new service. I mean, we've been toying around the 200 mark, you know, with people. And, you know, and I'm thinking, we get in this new location, we'll break that threshold. And sure enough, that next, that first Sunday, we had over 200 people. Yeah. But I had to tell them all that we're not supposed to be here. You know, but that's okay. We're going to get an answer, is what I told them. And we did. But there was a time we had this 10,000 square foot facility that we were meeting in 3,600. Well, I tell you, that's a, that's, that's a momentum killer right there. We met outside one time. We literally had church outside because we were trying to get up to code. Man, if we could do it in foreign countries. My gosh, man, there's no codes in some of them other countries, dude. I tell you, we could blow a church up quick without all these codes. 
But we had a meet outside. I had a guest speaker. I had a guest speaker. I had to have him outside in the grass. Amen. And he, you know, laid hands on people and, and, and certain people got healed. And in that same service, a girl died in the van. She had this disease and died. And here's this guy preaching God's the healer. And I said, Lord, this cannot take place. In the name of Jesus, this cannot take place. This girl will live and not die. And I laid hands on her and she came back to life. Glory to God. Amen. That's a true statement. Isn't that not right? I mean, talk about opposition. Well, you know what? We, we were just doing the best we could do, believing God, never moving, nothing. The, the landlord was a believer himself. And there came a point I was $68,000 behind in rent. I mean, I just didn't happen. I mean, and I didn't say nothing to nobody. I mean, and these guys that are in St. Augustine, I never preached it from the platform. I never once made a pull for money. Why? Because, listen, it's God's church. I cast that care on him. Why? I'm not focused on this scene realm. It's going to change. This is temporary. This is temporary. This thing's going to change. I never said a word. I mean, in fact, it was reported in town. People were saying we were the most prosperous church. They were saying this, and I was believing, yes, in the name of Jesus. That's a true statement. And, I, and churches were laying people off. Now, we weren't hiring at the time, but, you know, we were growing, and we were, but we were behind. And I ended up getting a letter from you saying, listen, we've got to do something here. I mean, you know, it's one of them formal, you know, formal letters. You know, there's eviction coming on. You're thinking, dude, what you going to do now with over 200 people? You're going to say, I mean, you know, there's a lot of tack in your mind. But I said, no, Lord, you told me to be here. We'll be here, and you're our provider, period. So I met, and he said, well, you know, it's a pretty big hole. I mean, usually I act, you know, when it's half this, but I don't want the hole to get so big that you can't get out. I said, we're going to get this. So let me tell you about the favor of God. Listen to this now. He told me, he said, if you'll come up with $18,000 and get it to fifty, i I'll reduce your rent for a year. Okay. And you know what? God supernaturally brought in an extra $18,000 within six weeks. So when we started the next year, we were only 50000 behind. Then he said, if you'll pay each month, then I'll keep it at that reduced rate for a whole year. And you know what? It started coming in. Next thing you know, we dropped another five. We dropped another five to him. And the next thing you know, we drew a, dropped ten. We had gotten down to about $25,000 that we still owed. And one day, it was about October, someone came into my office and gave me a check for $120,000. And all the while, I'm preaching faith. Nobody, I didn't, the church didn't even know. I did not let them know till later that this had taken only to release it as a testimony that God's... And our, the church was shocked because we never showed sign that there was a problem, ever. Why? Because I trust in a life abundant more than I do in what's going on in the world. My gosh, I'm telling you, if it works for me, it works for you. Why? Because these things work for believers. Not just for pastors. Amen? Okay, let's press on. Now listen, John 6, verses 1 through 11. Let's look at this real quick. Hallelujah. You with me tonight? Amen. John chapter 6. Let's look at this. Verse 1 says this. But what shall I say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead 
through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness, in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over Him. Verse 10, For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. Verse 11, Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, the first ten verses tells us that if we have received Christ, we are dead to sin. And that we've been raised in newness of life. But in verse 11, he tells us to consider it. This word consider means this, to take an inventory of what's been said. Inventory is this, a detailed viewing of what you have. So he says, now you've got to consider that you don't look at the scene anymore. You've got to consider that the pressures of this world don't dominate you anymore. You've got to consider the fact that you have been freed from that and now you can actually operate differently. Hallelujah. Do you understand there's a thing called diplomatic immunity? Have you ever heard of that term before? This is what ambassadors have in other countries. Okay, when they're in another country, they have diplomatic immunity, which means they can't be tried for certain things there because they represent the other nation. In fact, the embassy that they're on is the property of the home country. And they have all the benefits of the home country. And if you've been out of the country, United States, their embassies always look good. I mean, they got the greenest grass. I mean, it's the great, I mean, their lawns are manicured, their buildings are nice. Why? Because they represent this nation. Well, Paul told us to be ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. And guess what territory he's got? Us, because we earth suits. <laughs> Amen? I'm telling you right now, I, I, we ought to live in existence that totally blows away the way the world looks. I mean, when, when, you, when I go to Managua, Nicaragua, and I pass by the U.S. Embassy, it's obvious that that's, in fact, if I step foot on it, I'm not, even though I'm in Nicaragua, I'm on U.S. soil. Well, we're from another place. Jesus himself said, you're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. He said this. Now, you may feel like you're of this world because you were born in it, but when you're reborn, you're of another place. Which means you have the capacity to think totally different than this world thinks. And live different. If you'll consider it. If you'll take an inventory of all that God has said to you and then take a detailed viewing of what His Word says and then act on it, you're not subject to have to live according to the way the world lives, but you can actually live according to the standard that God has. Hallelujah. We've got to change that viewpoint. In your business, do you understand? You're not subject to every other thing that everybody else is subject to. I mean, Isaac himself, man, there was famine in the land. You know about this. There's famine in the land. I mean, nobody's got no crops anywhere. So he says, Lord, all the work's in Egypt. I'm going to Egypt. He said, no, you're not. The Lord said, you're not going to Egypt. No, you plant right now. See, that word was more powerful than the soil. That, that word was more powerful than rain. That word was the power of God who's the creator. And he planted in famine in the same place, and it produced a hundredfold 
crop. And he became wealthy and had more wealth as a result of obeying God at his word. Why? Because he had a consciousness of what God says more so than what his surroundings were. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham did not consider the deadness of his own body or the deadness of his wife's womb, but considered what God said. Come on now. He considered that. He remembered God's faithful. He'll do what he says he'll do. And he did not shrink back. He did not grow weak in his faith, but he actually grew stronger. Why? He says, what my God says is more real than what I've been exercising and what the, what's been always seems to be the result of my wife. And at 90 years old, this woman gives birth to a child. Hallelujah. And that child continues the covenant line that got us to Jesus. Amen? All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Amen? So let's consider that the word's more real. You understand, the truth or God's word is more real than facts. Facts are facts. I mean, if the doctor said you have cancer, okay, you have it. Nobody's saying deny cancer. But what does Jesus say about your cancer? He says you're the healed. He says by his stripes you were healed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm telling you, in the kingdom, there's a health care plan. It don't cost you nothing. It costs him everything. And there's no copay. Glory to God. No deductible in this thing. All you have to do is believe. Come on now. I mean, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you can do anything, He says, if you can, all things are possible with Him who believes. Amen. I'm telling you, if you'll get belief in this thing, if we'll get belief in this vision, if we'll get commitment in the vision and believe in God, do what He says, I'm telling you right now, this place can't hold us. There's another building for us. I mean, there's, we are, we're all over this territory. Hallelujah. And I believe that. I believe wherever God places me, it's going to be successful. Because he said, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He said this about me. He said, whatever I put my hand to will prosper. Now, I'm only going to put my hand to what he told me to put my hand to. Okay, Galatians 5. Look at this. It says, those, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. New Living Translation. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Meaning, let's focus on what God's saying. You understand the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we're supposed to be led by. He's talking to our spirit, man. And He, Jesus, called Him the Spirit of truth. I mean, listen. Everybody's listening to something. And you're not free from this. Decisions you're making are based upon things you're hearing. Whether you put your child in chi- a particular child care or not, it's going to be based upon what you've heard about it. It's going to be based upon something you're seeing or sensing. There's a thought process. I mean, you may hear people, oh, don't go to that restaurant, man, it's terrible. I mean, that right there puts something in your mind. You know, don't get this car, man, they're, they're worthless, they're a piece of junk. You know, don't make that investment. No, go ahead and get that. Oh, man, I'm telling you, these are great. I mean, if, if it wasn't truth, then why do we have so much advertisement? I mean, we're talking billions of dollars. I mean, in my mind, I think this is the biggest scam on the face of the planet. Because, you know, I do advertisement myself. I, 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 when we first started out in the church uh, down in St. Augustine, I put uh, 18,000 flyers in the newspaper. The, the weekend before we had service. You know how many people showed up because of all that advertisement? Zero. 
they got this one little bitty thing down on the record. It's like a little sticker. Maybe it's what, about a three, two and a half by two and a half, maybe three by three at most. They put it right on the top. One day run, $1,500. $1,500. Now, that's pretty good advertisement in the sense that people, would, even if they're standing in line, they'll see that. They only have to buy a paper. $1,500. But what's the chances of people going to come because of that? I'm a billboard guy myself because they're moving all the time. So come on. Come see. Now, I wouldn't do none of these electronic ones or ones that flip because I'm not going to share. Because you may go through and you never see me. I want the one by itself. So that no matter how many times you go by, it's talking about us. Amen? Hallelujah. But, you know, and we do those things because it works. The world's motivated. I mean, why is Nike? I mean, why are those watches, um, what is it, uh, tag, at Rolex, I mean, why are they so expensive? Because there is a thought process about their price. Why is a Porsche so much? Any better than my Jeep? You understand? And we saw a Jeep coming today, dude. It had tractor tires on it. I mean, it's the biggest thing I ever saw in my life, man. Is there a mud bog around here somewhere? Because they were coming from somewhere. It was huge on a trailer. They couldn't drive it on the road. Amen. But you understand, we are to be led by the Spirit. We are to hear His thoughts on these things. This will change us forever. Because you know what? His Word never fails. You can't show me in the Word one time where God acted on His Word that it didn't come to pass, that somebody else could do something greater than His Word. What He says always trumps everything. All right, with that being said, let's look at this last example. In 1 Kings chapter 17, I'll just read it for paraphrase. You can read it yourself. It's verses uh, 8 through 16, okay? But I just want you to get, give you a great Bible example of this taking place. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, this is the story of, uh, let me see who it was because you always mix these up. Um, where's he at? Elijah. Elijah was sent by the Lord to a widow woman's house to get fed because there was a famine going on. You know, he was already by the brook. It's dried up. The ravens were bringing him food. I'm talking, that's, that's huge. I mean, just think if the Lord told you to, now listen, I don't want you to go in Publix. Or Wendy said, I just want you to go stand here by this tree and I'm going to bring you the food every day. Wow. And it worked, though. I mean, ravens brought him food. I mean, we're not talking about getting out of dumpster stuff. Okay? But when that dried up, he said, listen, I need you to go to this lady's house in this particular place. I provided for you there. So Elijah shows up, knocks on the door. She answers the door. He said, hey, how you doing? He said, listen, um, I come, uh, the Lord sent me here um, for some food. He said, you know, he's going to provide for me here. You know what the woman says? She said, look, all I got is a little bit of flour here, a little bit of meal, and just a little bit of oil. And I'm fixing to make a cake for me and my, my son, and we're going to die. See her view? See her lens? We don't have no more food. We fix them to die. I'm going to make me something for, and for him, and then that's it. We're going to die. This is it. Now, it takes a little while for you to actually starve to death. You understand that, but, you know, that was the expectation. But Elijah looks at her and he says, no, this is what I want you to do. You make a cake for me first. Why? Because he's got a word from God. You know, Elijah didn't go. Lord, there is nothing in these cupboards. He didn't, I'm at the wrong house. You see what I'm saying? I mean, he didn't go and say, what in the world is this? You sure you ain't got something down there? I mean, God sent me. You got to have some food in here somewhere, lady. He didn't focus on that scene. He focused on the word. And he said, well, what's 
She told him what she had, and you know what he came to the conclusion? Apparently that mountain right there is enough to sustain us. So he says, you make me one first. And you know what? She made him one first. He ate, she ate, her son ate, and that, bull, that barrel never ran dry. And I would surmise that when she pulled it off, it had the same little bit amount for that day. I'm sure it didn't fill all up, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure it was, you know, just like manna. It was one of those uh, supply for today. But you know what? Always had a supply. Because they were focused on that realm more than the seen. I mean, we go through ours a lot of times, and we're so disconnected from God. We'll open our refrigerator and say, My honey, we ain't got no groceries up in here. When we could be going, you know, in Jesus' name, we're going to have plenty for the rest of this week. Especially if there's something that we know we need to sow towards something else or do something else with. But our consciousness a lot of times is what we don't see. We've got to get out of the, um, the cup half empty mentality and get to the cup half full. We've got to recognize that his realm is more real than this realm. And if we'll believe that realm, it changed the world. Change our lives and change the world around us. When everybody else is starving to death looking, they'll be coming to you and saying, my gosh, how come you always have more than enough? It runs me down. What do you mean it runs you down? Well, I serve the king. King, yeah. Jesus is my king. I follow his word. That's all I do. I do whatever he tells me to do. I follow his word. And you know what? He takes care of me. All you got to do is, that sounds crazy. It doesn't matter. It sounds crazy. It works. That's why you came to me. <laughs> Amen. The word works. Amen. It works for his kids who obey him. At his word. And for me, I'm obey. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Whatever he says, because you know what? It's going to bring life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're the king of kings.